0: You're listening to a Radio 1
1: 91 FM podcast. I am now joined in the studio by the one, the only, local poet, Liz Breslin. Liz, how are we this morning?
0: Hey, Alex, we're good.
1: It's good. Have you been up to much today?
0: I've been up to a lot uh, of nothing, actually. Oh, excellent. Yeah, woke up and read some Mary Oliver, which I'm trying to do to be like, you know, I don't do Wordle first thing in the morning, but yeah, (laughs) um... Yeah, Mary El-
1: what's what sort of works has Mary Oliver done? I don't think I've heard of them.
0: Um, it's like she's like, um, well, everyone loves her because she is like a nature poet, but also like she's super queer as well. So she kind of like gets both camps. It's okay. really nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. lots of um, uh, far right people love to have her at weddings, like not really knowing that she's a queer poet. So we'll just keep <laughs> it like that. <laughs>
1: I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they never find out. Oh I actually sometimes I hope they do, but not us. We won't but, tell. We won't <laughs> tell. Yeah, secret. Uh, and you yourself are a poet. That's why we've got you in today. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience as a poet, uh, what your writing style is, anything that you'd like to discuss? I'd love that? to. Yeah.
0: Um so I guess I've been Mm, a published poet for like 10 or 15 years I've got a couple of books um, which are Embed with the Feminists with Deborah Books um, and Alzheimer's in the Spoon with um, Otago University Press um, but as, as well as being like a page poet I'm much more of a performance poet and there tends to be a big divide between those two things but I'm mm, less interested in that divide and more interested in just, like, having fun with the poetry community, which is kind of how I got to SLAM, which is what this um, um, fundraiser we're doing and what this paper um, I'm doing in Boston is about. But, yeah, my poems are... There's a thing that a poet called Adrian Henry said, which is that most people don't like most poems because most poems don't like most people you know like the snobbery of stuff that you get mm. and i'm not interested in that i just want to have a good time with the words on the stage yeah. so yeah
1: perfect yeah. Like, well i've always thought because i i am an indulger of poetry myself which is why i was very stoked to get this interview
0: alex uh,
1: yeah <laughs> Um, and I've always thought that, yes, there is a certain amount of snobbery in poems. And it's like, especially doing English courses without poetry at university, and you'd be like, oh, it's, oh you don't get the, the nuances or anything like that. But what are poems, if not just shortened versions of stories? And what are stories, if not communities coming together just discussing things that have happened? So,
0: Alex, you are a poet. That's <laughs> lovely. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, I have to fully agree with you on that one there. And... You mentioned just earlier, just before, about a fundraiser. Oh, yeah. And this fundraiser is happening on the Fe- February 16th, 5.30 to 7, at Adju, And then new, at their new space. Have you been to the new Adju?
0: Oh, I really like it. Oh, it's fantastic. I, yeah. I, I love that they've got a bigger space, because, like, when they were just down on the corner there, it was always be a struggle to get in there, and now, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I just love it.
1: And yeah. I also saw they're doing live music gigs there now as well, which cool. I was very stoked about. Uh, But we are getting a little bit off track. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about Agri later. But, yes, this fundraiser is to help you get to Boston. Uh, And do you want to tell us a little bit about why you need to get to Boston?
0: Well, because that's where I'm going to talk about um, slam poetry. So um, I'm a student as well as a poet. And um, so it's an academic conference that I'm going to. But I'm going to be talking about slam poetry, which is an American... um, Creation, if you like, an American invention. Although, I'm going to talk about how did they invent it, or did they actually just, you know, steal a whole load of other stuff and put it together, as we so like doing when we colonize stuff, right? Sure. But um, I'm going to talk about how that American invention has kind of spun out and is now being um, done and performed, like right in the south of New Zealand. So, that's going to be really cool to go to the place where it came from. And, and talk about how it is here. So yeah, do you yeah.
1: think this? Uh, do you think that there would be a significant difference between uh, topics between American and New Zealand slam poetry, considering the cultural differences between the two countries?
0: Mm, yes and no. There's a thing in um, there's a thing in slam that um, which is like a thing in reality TV in the world and everywhere, I guess, like the um, pain fortainment they call it, or uh, trauma porn. Tends to score really, really highly. And in Slam, um, th- uh, like, one of the differences between Slam poetry and page poetry is people, are because they're performing, they're very much like performing themselves. So, um... And the pain fortainment poem or the trauma porn poem that does really well is like i 'm performing my marginalized gender i 'm performing like my um race i 'm performing my um ability or um disability i 'm performing so all of those things become like we shall overcome kind of poems yeah. and they 're super popular whether you 're performing them in. New Zealand, whether you're performing them in Canada, whether you're performing them in the States because I guess a lot of it comes from the internet and we see what scores well and then we go on to do the same thing, you know, we copy the style of it, so, yeah
1: Because yeah. if you say it's already working then yeah, you would think oh I well, might as well keep doing it, right? Yeah. Do you feel that, like, in your professional opinion, that when people use their trauma, do you think it's better to use it in poetry as a way of coping with their trauma or do you th- do you feel that, in a way, because they are sharing it like this, it is becoming more commodi- like becoming more of a commodity, rather than they're like losing that sense of self through it. If that makes any sense,
0: that makes so much sense, yeah. Alex. I think it. I think that's a super interesting question. Um, and lots of the papers that have been written about slam have kind of been written about how that trauma is commodified. Um, there's someone. I think I'm saying the name right? Ray Warley. Who actually studied that in um, Tamaki Makoro and looked at how actually for the young people, because a lot of young people study how to do slam at school and do like spoken word workshops, you know, and said that for a lot of the young people, that spoken word community of sharing their trauma became really... Um, powerful like I think they use the word empowering and I think that's great in a spoken word context but actually in a slam what you're doing it's a competition you start with 12 poets and you knock everyone out until you've got one poet so what you're basically doing is lining people's trauma up against each other and being like no Only one of you gets to have, you know, the best trauma story. So it escalates and escalates. And how is that not The Hunger Games? (laughs) I just think that's super... And it's actually super unsafe. Mm. It's unsafe for for the poets who are escalating like that. It's unsafe for the audience who go and have to take on... You know, trauma poem after trauma poem, and you get you you see people calculating. Like if you, so I've participated in slams and also been a slam slam master, they call it. You you see people being like, oh no, I, I can't do my um, uh, eating disorder poem now because they've just done their eating disorder poem and mine won't score as well, and it becomes. So commodified, like, yeah, like, like a, you say, like
1: a game show. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, who's, let's her hear who the saddest poet is. Yeah, and then you can go on to the next round. Oh, that is, that's quite shocking. I've never considered that as a as a thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the um, that's what my paper is about. Is about exactly that. So, so when <laughs> yeah. you when
1: you say your paper, is that just one aspect of your phd or is that your your phd thesis
0: oh so my that's the paper i'm taking to boston to do uh specifically to talk about that in that context Mm -hmm. but where it fits into my phd because what i'm really looking at is how we tell um how we tell stories over and over to the exclusion of other stories so slam is quite an extreme Example of that because there's literally a voting mechanism to tell stories mm. but I'm looking as well at like rural stories and queer stories of like um, the south of the South Island mm-hmm. and how by telling one story over and over, I mean you know the stereotype, you know like the rural dude the like southern man, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. she'll be right all of that, in literature we tend to tell that story over and over again and we lose um like we lose the strong women's stories we lose the queer stories we lose mm. like the possibility of who we can be because we're so busy telling ourselves this other story over and over again mm. and I'm interested in how that works out culturally
1: perfect and that that story is so deeply ingrained in our cultural identity as well as like because it was as you say just like the the southern man yeah and now it's been it's just been Blanketed over the entire country that, that whole number 8 wire, she'll be right Yeah, let's um, get stuck in sort of thing
0: 100% um, And the other thing that does is totally erase The stories of Mana Whenua Like that mm. we're so busy Looking at this one white story Here that We don't, I mean some people Don't see that You know there's this whole other story That it's, it's just been written completely Over
1: mm. Yeah, I, I actually grew up in a small southern rural town, so uh, just in Palmerston, just oh, up yeah. the road there. So not quite su- south, but definitely southern. And um, I had heard those exact like um, farming stories. I, I knew all about the history of like the, the colonisers and everything like that. It took me until last year to learn about the history of my manga That's Yeah, there. and like which is a fascinating story, but never even like it's the education as well as like we could have very easily talked about this too like that it's there yeah it was never spoken about yeah so it's just that's just an example of that just taking over from it
0: yeah totally and how um that is a structural thing and a systemic thing and that is like that's done on purpose to keep telling the one same story so mm-hmm. we don't even start thinking about other stories no. um and so that's that is how that links into SLAM for me because SLAM does the same thing. Like, there are um, people here who are taught SLAM at school as a way of, um, you know, uh, talking about anything that is important to them in terms of identity and they might not at the same time through our history programmes or through our English programmes or through anything else be taught things about their own identities you know and it's just another layer of yep. look over here do this flash shiny thing and yep. don't think about what's underpinning it
1: yeah keep yourself distracted don't worry about it and totally. then totally you know, Under the surface uh i'm so sorry liz we're <laughs> very, very much out of time now but um it's been a wonderful chatting to you and just before i let you go um you have got that event on the 16th of february adju uh will we be seeing you in attendance there or with what what is, the, what is the plan for it?
0: Um, yep, I'm going to be there doing some performing and going to be performing alongside some amazing local poets in the community who've been running it. So Rushi um, verse is going to be there, um, Claire Lacey, um, Jasmine Taylor and also Eliana Gray who's been doing all the organising for this fundraiser and I... I owe them all great thanks for doing this because yeah, it's so wonderful to be part of such a strong community. Yeah.
1: Excellent. No worries. I don't know why I said no worries. I had nothing to do with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was a Radio One ninety one FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz/podcast.